What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're back after a week off uh, as we're inch closer to the start of the NFL draft. The Dolphins, as you know, just have four picks after wheeling and dealing this offseason, but they're still expected to make use of those picks. Um, and if you've been on the Miami Herald website, you've seen that I have started to look into potential targets for the Dolphins in the 2022 NFL Draft. Um, This podcast, I'm really excited to talk about some of those prospects, specifically on the offensive line. But to do that, I had to bring in one of the best in the business when it comes to offensive line play. Uh, And with that, I'm really excited to uh, introduce Brandon Thorne, the owner of the Trench Warfare newsletter. He's been doing uh, scouting breakdowns for Bleacher Report. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Good, man. I'm doing really good. Happy to be here. I'm glad we're able to work this out and uh, I'm excited to talk about some offensive line prospects and players. Nah, most definitely. Most definitely. I've been saying it for, you know, since I've been doing this podcast, you know, offensive line play, it's not sexy. It's not what sells newspapers, but it's important as ever uh, for NFL success. And uh, we know that we know about that a lot in Miami with some of the struggles uh, of the offensive line last year. Um, but With the new head coach and Mike McDaniel, they have an entirely new offensive coaching staff. Um, Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator, who has a track record in developing and coaching offensive linemen. Matt Applebaum, the new offensive line coach, um, coached at Boston College, has a reputation for developing uh, some prospects who are actually in this draft cycle, um, but kind of taking a step forward and kind of looking big picture. There's been a lot of talk about um, Mike McDaniel's scheme, specifically the zone running scheme, how that's going to be implemented with this offensive lineman. And I, I want to ask you to start off, if you can kind of do an offensive line blocking for dummies, you know, break it down to its core. What is the zone blocking scheme and what does that require of offensive linemen? Yeah. So, I mean, McDaniel coming from the Shanahan tree and everything and just kind of Shanahan, you know, his dad, Kyle Shanahan's dad, Mike Shanahan. I mean, going back to that, it all kind of revolves around the idea of creating, I think, lateral displacement a lot of the time. So not necessarily driving defenders backwards as much as it is um, opening up that front side and cutting off the backside and just trying to hit inside of that those gaps that open up. So making one cut and go for the back. Um, So that's the kind of just idea of like wide zone um, is again, to just create that lateral displacement, widen and stretch the defense out and then cut off that backside. So it requires different, you know, traits and skills and things like that, you know, depending on uh, the, the defensive alignment, I think is important. Um, You know, whether you're covered or uncovered, Um, you know, that's going to determine if you're going to combo block or not. So combination blocks in the zone run game are critical. So, um, you know, that involves a lot of, uh, trust and familiarity with the guy next to you in terms of how you're going to handle different looks that you see. Uh, so continuity is, is usually a a big factor in success for the zone running scheme. Um, but man, I think that McDaniel and what, him and Kyle Shanahan have done the last few years together, their running game is really on the cutting edge in the NFL um, in terms of what they're doing and how they're getting guys advantageous looks and the little wrinkles that they're adding in, you know, whether it be with different motions and uh, different personnel groupings. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, all that to say is I'm very excited to see how McDaniel can design this run game and kind of get, 
um, you know, built in advantages early. Um, and he has some personnel at his disposal, obviously now to make it very interesting, um, just their creativity and how they've kind of developed, you know, that wide tight zone running scheme over the last few years together has been amazing to watch. They'll also run other concepts as well. Um, I would imagine, you know, Shanahan and, and him did, you know, power concepts, gap concepts here and there as well, but that's more of like change-ups. They're going to, you know, their bread and butter is, is still the wide tight zone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of some of the things that you need to succeed. Some of the things that I think of, you know, that need to be in place and just kind of how I'm expecting it to look a little bit in Miami. So, yeah. And then we can get into the personnel and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, it's, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, when you um, it's interesting, we got uh, Austin Jackson, their 2020 first round pick. Um, he's kind of been moved uh, around a little bit on the offensive line this first couple of years, um, but he, you know, he expressed a lot of excitement for this staff. And um, obviously, they're in the they're in the third week of their offseason workout programs. They're not necessarily, you know, breaking down a, a whole bunch of plays and whatnot. Um, but he talked about how um, the the offensive scheme is very very detailed. Um, do, do you do you tend to see that with this wide zone scheme and kind of um, just looking at the the past with Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's kind of part of their advantage, you know, is being extremely detailed and knowing how to convey that to the players in a digestible way, you know, so they can understand it. Um, and, you know, with enough repetition and time, you know, actually play fast and not make it so complex and kind of, you know, make it a little bit more simple for them in a way too. Um, but yeah, I think generally a lot of the really good offensive line coaches that I've, you know, gotten to talk about and to and stuff like that, they, some, some of them at least have very detailed kind of progressions and coaching points and things like that. Uh, like Bill Callahan is kind of like on the Mount Rushmore of offensive line coaches. And he's, he's renowned for being like extremely detail oriented in terms of like within inches of footwork and hand placement and things like that. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me for, you know, McDaniel and, and, and Shanahan and stuff to, to be that way. Um, even going back to Alex Gibbs, who's kind of like the, the godfather of the zone run scheme. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I've definitely seen some of that. And I remember Alex Gibbs is a coaching clinic that's available on YouTube. Some of the details that he talks about in there um, are, you know, very, you know, down to the literally, like if you step six inches too far to the left, it can ruin the leverage you can create on the block and yeah, stuff like that. So that's why, you know, in the beginning, I mentioned the continuity factor being big because over time when you, you know, have, have that familiarity with the guy next to you and you kind of are on the same page and moving in unison, yep. um, that can really allow things to click. So yeah, um, that I, I do think that's a, a really important part of it as well. Yeah, Austin Jackson talked a lot about that, about how they want to be, they really want to be as one and how it's like the movements are really just getting down the line or just in sync. Um, you, you mentioned the personnel and, and obviously the Dolphins are really active on this offseason and revamping that offense and particularly on the offensive line, um, adding two veteran legitimate starters in Toronto Armstead from the New Orleans Saints and Connor Williams uh, from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we, we spoke a lot about, you know, and kind of broke down what Toron Armstead could be for this offensive line is really like that veteran um, presence, um, uh, an anchor, a multi, uh, uh, you know, multi pro bowler. Um, what stood out to you from those two additions? I mean, Toron Armstead is, uh, 
I don't know if you'll find anybody higher on Tehran than, than me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I just getting to be around him, honestly, is what really is like sold me on him at offensive line masterminds the last few years. And just he, hearing his approach and how detail oriented he is, how much he thinks about things and how he thinks about them. Um, and he's definitely like a, a natural leader, you know, guys gravitate towards him, even there, you know, at offensive line masterminds where it's primarily pro players. Um, he was pretty much one of the leaders and, uh, you know, I just think his presence, man, could, is going to do wonders for, for that offensive line room. Uh, I, I don't think we can overstate that or say it enough. Um, just, yeah, just the leadership he brings, the experience, the intelligence, the, the football intelligence is through the roof. Um, so, you know, all of that type of stuff that's kind of hard to quantify is there, but then he's also one of the best athletes in the, in the world, you know, in, you know, in the uh, offensive line community, you know, in terms of on paper, what he did at the combine when he came out, the fastest yeah. 40 yard dash of all time, you know, um, Mike, you know, Mike McDaniel loved that as a speed guy. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, so he has that element, that Trent Williams element where you can, actually design run concepts around him um, and allow him to get out in space, but also he's very strong and powerful. So he's going to be able to create that displacement on the front side of zone. He could cut off the backside of zone very well. I mean, pick just an absolute ideal fit for the scheme as well. So I thought it was a home run signing. I thought they got him cheaper than I expected him to, to go for as well. Um, you know, really the only knock that there is, you know, on his game at all has to do with durability and just staying on the field. Um, you know, he's averaged like 12 games, I think 11 or 12 starts over the last five years, I want to say. So, you know, definitely, you know, missing a few games every year, but I still think if you're getting an elite left tackle for 12 games, that's yeah. better than an average tackle for 16. The Dolphins will um, definitely take that. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just kind of that give and take there. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's a home run signing to me. I think, you know, he's clear-cut best guy on the line and, and all that. And to me, when healthy, an elite player at the position. So, yeah, and then Connor Williams, totally different, you know, much younger, much more unproven, a little bit more up and down, well, a lot more up and down more of like a middle of the pack starter uh, to me, but he still has a little bit of upside too. Cause he's so young, came into the NFL very young. Yeah. He's still pretty young, kind of like Austin Jackson, you know, who's just 22 years old. Um, so uh, Connor, I think is like 24 now, 25, but either way, young room to improve with his technique, consistency and pass protection, especially I think playing alongside of Armstead is going to probably help him a lot even though he's played alongside Tyron Smith um, uh, Armstead is just kind of a different player. So that that'll be really interesting to see how those guys can, you know, work together and how Tehran can help him. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's an improvement, you know, uh, nonetheless, but more of kind of that middle, middle of the pack solid starter with some upside, whereas Armstead is more kind of top tier. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just nice to see that they improve those positions either way. And yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited about what they're doing so far.
Yeah, as I said, there's a lot of excitement in Miami as well with some of those additions. Um, Mike McDaniel did say that, obviously, Teron Armstead would slide in as a left tackle. I thought it was interesting that he didn't commit to Connor Williams at left guard, even though that's where, he, you know, he's had the most success and where he said he's more, where he said he's most comfortable. Um, but again, they're still trying to work out the kinks with playing guys at different spots. They, they value versatility along that offensive line. Um, but when you look at some of the returning guys, you know, again, this was a very, this has been a very young offensive line for the past couple of years. Years. They haven't developed at the, you know, at the rate of expectations, um, but there's still belief that, you know, this new coaching staff can really get some of those guys to, to play um, up to, you know, their, their billing throughout the draft process. And, you know, specifically three guys that I wanted to, to mention and talk to you about uh, Liam Eichenberg, Austin Jackson, as we mentioned before, and Michael Dieter. Um, it, it looks like Dieter, you know, he's kind of the favorite right now to start at center. Um, you know, he started left guard his rookie year, but had experience, you know, interior and at tackle. Um, right now, it seems like the Dolphins are, and the general manager, Chris Gray, did say that they'd bring in a competition for him. Um, how does he fit personally in this zone running scheme? Um, I mean, I think he's an okay fit, honestly. I, you know, he's not the most athletic guy, uh, really. Yeah. He's He is very versatile. I mean, in terms of all going back to Wisconsin, he played, I think, four or five positions there as well. So he has that ability to kind of fill in where needed. I mean, ideally, I think you upgrade that spot in the draft. Uh, I think it's possible as well. But if you go into the the starting or week one, I guess, with him as your center, you I guess you could do worse. I mean, he's a bottom yeah. tier starter, I would say. Um, just not super powerful or explosive, but he is pretty technically sound, fundamentally sound. You know, it's just uh, certain body types and matchups are going to be tough for him. Um, but if he's, you know, playing in this scheme, he'll He'll have the opportunity to uh, work a lot of combination blocks and not really have to uh, create movement on his own as he would in a gap scheme. Um, So in that regard, I think it kind of helps him a little bit. But in terms of climbing to the second level, picking off second, third level targets, I mean, this isn't probably the guy who's going to do those kind of things. So, you know, there's give and take with pretty much every guy in the league if they're not an elite player. So, you know, there's, there's always that there. So that's how I see him. And um, Eichenberg, I, I liked a lot coming out of Notre Dame. I did a full scouting report and grade all that stuff on him. And I compared him to Riley Reef. Um, yeah. So that's the caliber of pro I saw Liam Eichenberg developing into. I gave him, I want to say a second round grade as well. So I was, I was pretty high on him. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely shorter arms, you know, uh, that's kind of his, big thing that I think he needs to learn how to overcome in the pros in terms of adjusting his technique and things like that. Um, he was a big two hand striker in college and that can get you in a lot of trouble at tackle because if you miss the reps over the guy's blowing by you. Um, so he needs to maybe diversify his technique a little bit more, which comes with time. You know, most guys, you know, over the first couple of years playing offensive line really improve. Um, I think he has, a lot of the traits to do that um, in terms of like mental processing, competitive toughness. I think his play strength is pretty good. Um, So I I like him. I see him being like a Riley reef kind of guy. who's like a middle of the pack starter at tackle, uh, which is uh, definitely valuable in today's NFL. So I would like to see him get that opportunity to stay at right tackle and uh, you know, earn a, earn a role there. Um, But you know, he, 
could, could play guard, I guess, technically, but he played left tackle, I, pretty, I think, in every start of his career at Notre Dame. So yeah. he's a tackle to me, even though his body type doesn't really fit the ideal mold. Um, and Austin Jackson, very rough start to his career, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's been it's been bad. You know, he's one of the worst players in the league, honestly, at offensive line. But in terms of production, you know, and, and getting guys blocked, but if you kind of break him down to the studs and look at kind of the foundational traits that are in place, still has good size, still has good length, still pretty athletic. Um, he creates some power as well when he can connect uh, with his hands, when he can time stuff up, play with a strong base, things like that. So there's something to work with there. And the great thing about it is he's only 22 years old, uh, going to turn 23 in August, I believe. So he's going to be the same age as a lot of these rookies coming into the draft right now. Yeah. Um, so that's the beauty of drafting a guy so young is the runway for improvement is so long. So I, I still can see uh, Austin Jackson becoming a viable, you know, serviceable starter in the NFL. I would not be surprised at all if that happens. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that is, uh, whether that's left guard or right guard, um, right well, tackle. I don't... It, it seems like Eichenberg and Jackson are going to be competing for that right tackle spot because um, okay. Robert Hunt is kind of slotted at, at right guard and you would expect Connor Williams to be the left guard. I mean, out of those two, it seems like, you know, like you said, when you kind of go down to the foundational traits, it seems like Austin Jackson is maybe a little bit of a better fit in this zone scheme compared to Eichenberg. Would you agree with that? And why or why not? Um. I don't know if I would really lean too heavily that way. I mean, maybe a little bit more athletic than Eichenberg. And he's, I mean, the thing about Jackson is he's bigger and he's longer. So that's, that's really what you're working with there. He's more of the prototypical tackle. Um, you know, he just looks the part more than Eichenberg in terms of physical dimensions, but I think Eichenberg is way far ahead of him in terms of technique and yeah. uh, fundamentals. Yeah. So it just depends on, you know, the, the new offensive line coach, the new that offensive staff. Matter, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it's two totally different ends of the spectrum. Do you want to go with the higher floor guy who isn't as physically talented, or do you want to go with the higher ceiling guy, guy who's going to yeah. have more variance in his technique, you know, until he can get better. So it's just, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, see which direction they want to go. But, uh, man, I feel like Armstead is going to play a big role in, in both of those guys' developments. Yeah. And I'm really excited about the offensive line coach as well because, I mean, just talking to Zion Johnson uh, from my film room I did with him and hearing some of the ways he taught, some of the way he's, he coached, and then watching the Boston Col College offensive line the last two seasons, they've been super impressive. So I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, with some of these young guys. No, most definitely, most definitely. I got the opportunity to speak to him after they brought in the coaching staff at the combine a little bit. Seems like a really, really nice guy. He's well-regarded, so it is going to be interesting to see how he brings that group together. Um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back on the other side of things, we're going to talk about some of the draft prospects uh, like Zion Johnson. He's not going to be available for the Dolphins at the first pick, but we're going to get, going to get into some uh, potential picks, so uh, stay locked with us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Still here at the Dolphins in Depth podcast with Brandon Thorne. Uh, we're talking all things offensive line with the Dolphins, breaking down this zone running scheme, what they seek seek in their offensive linemen, as well as uh, some of the Dolphins' new additions, as well as their returning players. Uh, and as we get into the second half of the podcast, I really want to get into uh, some of the potential draft targets along the offensive line. The Dolphins still need depth and competition at center for Michael Dieter. Um, they need a little bit of depth at uh, offensive tackle. Tackle, um, as they kind of sort out who is going to be their starting right tackle. Um, and it, it's interesting because I think uh, the Dolphins originally had the 29th overall pick um, late first round. Um, there were some potential offensive linemen who I thought would have been great picks for them at 29. One of them, Zion Johnson, um, obviously after trading away most of their draft picks to get Tyree Kill, um, they're not picking until late third round. But as I kind of did a little bit of my own, you know, research and background work into some of the available prospects, um, it seems like that there might be some some viable and legitimate um, offensive linemen available. Um, from your research, Brandon, and kind of the work that you've been doing, um, what is your just overall, you know, view on the depth and the talent level of this offensive line draft class? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty good. You know, tackle is always thinner than interior. Um, it's just the supply and demand is different for those two spots. There's just less tackles out there than guards. It requires a different, different caliber of athlete, you know, and that's really what separates those guys. So there's less of those bigger athletic guys. So tackle thins out quickly in pretty much every draft. That's the case here. I mean, after the first round, you're going to be taking swings on potential starter slash backup guys, which are to me, third rounders. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's one guy having the second round that I think is kind of interesting, but yeah. So tackle, you know, in terms of like that third round range for me, um, I have Tyler Smith, Rashid Walker, uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer. Those are the guys that you probably are looking at in the third round. You can maybe even include guys like Kellen Deesh, Abraham Lucas, Max Mitchell, Spencer Burford. Those are probably my top five guys or six guys kind of in that third and fourth round range. So I don't know if there's a particular guy out of those that you want to talk about. Tyler Smith is probably going to be gone by then for sure. So we could probably get him out of there. I'm a little lower on him than he's going to go. Uh, he, he might go in the first round, honestly, but um, yeah. Uh, so if we eliminate him, then my top guy would probably be Rashid Walker. Uh, yeah, he's a guy, State. yeah, he's a guy that I had, had written about. Um, yeah, I'd love to get into him. Um, seems like athletically he has all the tools that you need, but maybe the knock on him is some of the technique needs to still be refined and just, just what are your thoughts on him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you start just with the physical dimensions, the physical, his build and his frame are very impressive. You know, 6'6", 320-ish is what he was listed at in college. And he's just a really well-built dude with really good core strength. And I think that's the thing that 
to me appeals to me so much um, because he can naturally anchor and um, just create good stopping power at the point of attack and also dish out some power as well, create some power. So that right there is just a lot to work with because a lot of guys like the next guy would be Nicholas Petit Friere. He's a little bit more light on his feet, a little bit more athletic, fluid, kind of twitchy mover, but nowhere near as powerful um, as Rasheed Walker. So, you know, I, I feel like I would favor Walker a little bit more. They both have significant technique concerns where it falls apart um, in pass protection. They get picked apart um, on tape quite often. So they need a lot of work in terms of what they do with their hands, um, how they set guys, how they open up too early, playing too high. There's so many little technical things in both of their games that is going to need improvement before they can be a you know a reliable starter. I just think Rashid has a little bit more to work with than Petit Ferrer. So that's why I favor him. Um, he's very physical and nasty as well. But yeah, so <laughs> I, I like him a lot um, as one of those potential starter, high-level backup kind of guys in the third round. Um, and then after that, I have more of like maybe late third, early fourth kind of round guys, which is a role player. So like those guys, Max Mitchell, he'd probably be a good fit in his own scheme yeah. from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He's another guy um, I wrote about as well. Yeah. Okay. Spencer Burford from UTSA. Um, I like him quite a bit actually. And then uh, Kellen Deesh and Abraham Lucas are both athletic freaks in terms of combine testing. Um, I have them as like fourth and fifth round guys. So I'm lower on them than probably most. Um, Lucas is probably the guy in this whole class that I'm lower on than consensus. What's that? I have him with a fifth round grade, uh, which is a high level developmental prospect. So I actually really like him, but in that bucket, not as like a potential starter right away. Okay. Um, so Lucas is coming from an air raid system, um, which kind of carries a red flag, uh, for offensive tackle prospects because, of what they're asked to do and what they're not asked to do in that scheme. It's obviously high tempo, a lot of passing, um, which kind of on the surface would seem like a good thing. But when you dig into it, he doesn't execute a lot of running, uh, a lot of run blocking in quantity or in quality in terms of the, the, um, the variance in the type of concepts that he's asked to block. So it's just going to be kind of a steep learning curve, I think, as a run blocker for him. He certainly has like the height, weight, arm length, and at raw athletic ability to kind of work with. That's why I have him as a high-level developmental guy. But pass protection technique, I think when he is challenged, it, it falls apart very quickly. He doesn't anchor very well, um, opens up his hips too quickly against speed. Uh, I just think he could get really like picked apart in the pros um, early. He has a lot of tools to work with, but that's somebody on day three that I would love to get, you know, but he's probably going to go higher. Um, and then Deesh is kind of similar, uh, but he's very, very short arms for Kellen Deesh, and he's older. He's going to be 25 as a rookie. Yeah. So those two things for me kind of hurt his evaluation, but he's a pretty good player. Um, he's interesting, you know, but I, I have him as a fourth round guy. So those are probably the tackles that I like on like late day two, early day three. And then there's even some later day three that I kind of like too, but those are, those would be the guys that I think are early targets for you guys um, yeah. to tackle. Gotcha. Thank you for that. And I have, I have a quick technical question for the people who might not be 
Yeah, and there are very few that are the aficionados when it comes to offensive line play like yeah. you. When you talk about anchoring and then mirroring, what, what does that mean kind of in a nutshell? So anchoring is if a guy is going to a bull rush um, as a pass rusher, if he's basically trying to run right down the middle of your body and collapse you basically, or, you know, compress the pocket, it's your ability to drop your anchor or, you know, drop your hips, bend at the ankles, create force through the ground and create stopping power to, you know, dissipate momentum, you know, create lift with your hands and anchor with your lower body. And it's very technical in terms of doing that. Uh, Some guys are more natural at it than others, but there's a lot of technique in it as well. It's not pure strength. It it is a lot about leverage. So that's anchoring. Uh, Some guys do it better than others. Um, And then mirroring is basically just staying in front of a guy and not letting him get by you. Um, And that obviously lateral quickness is kind of the predominant trait needed to do that. But a lot of it is anticipation as well. Um, recognition. Um, and I think fluidity playing with a strong base, you know, some guys, their base gets really narrow. Um, some guys they play with a wide base and that kind of negates their lateral quickness. So there's a lot of different things to look at when you're trying to break it down, but yeah, kind of in a nutshell, it's, it's just staying in front of the guy, um, you know, that's trying to get by you. Um, that's like the most basic, you know, level of it. Gotcha. Thank you for that. And as we kind of transition into the, the last part of kind of the potential draft targets for the Dolphins on the offensive line, interior offensive line, and specifically center, um, you know, I think Tyler Linderbaum is kind of viewed as the the consensus center. Um, Zion Johnson, who I know you you had, had mentioned before and even on Twitter talking about whether he's a better fit at guard or center. I know he, he took some center snaps at the Senior Bowl. Um, just what are your thoughts on that? When I looked at it, it seemed like there were a lot of guys, and I see. I feel like this tends to be the case in the NFL, um, guys who were guards in college, but maybe they don't have the measurables or whatnot, and they kind of get pigeonholed to center. And it seems like you have that in a lot of cases with guys like Dylan Parham uh, and others. What are your thoughts on this kind of the interior line, but more so center class? Yeah, I mean, I really like this center class. So this is a much more exciting conversation to me, uh, like for Dolphin fans, you know, because the third round in this draft, that would be my favorite spot to pick probably in this draft for interior offensive line. Because there's, I have like seven guys almost that I would love to have as third round pick. So specifically center though, there's probably like three or four, Um, you know, Dylan Parham, you mentioned from Memphis. He's a very very interesting player. He, he did very well at the senior bowl playing center for the first time in his life. Um, and I think really when you look at him is his quickness jumps out his burst. Um, he he's very good about getting around guys, um, and, and hooking them, reaching them, um, you know, which is something you would do on the front side of his own run. Um, he worked combination blocks well in college. He did it at the senior bowl as well. Um, the thing I really liked about him though, is when he gets kind of locked on with his hands inside the inside of a defender's frame, his grip strength is very good. And it's better than you would think for a guy who's kind of undersized. So he has a little bit more strength to his game than you would think of, you know, being more of like an athletic kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Dylan Parham quite a bit. Uh, he'd probably be maybe one of my favorite center guys in that day or in that round three range. Luke Odecki is another guy uh, played right tackle at central Michigan, um, but he's probably going to kick inside to guard or center. Okay. 
and I really like him. He's he's a little bit more powerful than Parham um, and a little bit more raw, too. Hasn't been playing offensive line very long, former converted tight end. Um, but he is a guy that I think uh, is neck and neck. I have them with the same grade, basically. Um, it's just pick your flavor uh, at that point. And then uh, Luke Fortner. Yep. Yeah, Kentucky center, played guard in 2020, center in 2021. Really like him in the same range. Um, maybe not quite as uh, fluid of a mover as those two guys, but very technically sound and adept zone run blocker. He has a lot of good tape from 2021 at Kentucky in the zone run game that they ran. So I just think in the run game, he'll be able to be good right away. Uh, probably the highest upside guy out of all these guys is Cam Jurgens um, yeah. from Nebraska. So that's a guy I put a tweet out a couple of weeks ago that, um, you know, that tweet with, uh, with um, Diddy and that other guy in the judging contest. Oh, yeah, and they're like staring at each other. <laughs> so yeah. I basically said that was Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel looking at each other on in round three or two for cam jurgens do you think do you think, he'll, do you think he would last the bottom of the third round though that's bottom the, of the third i wouldn't say necessarily bottom of the third um yeah. i have him with that grade but uh yeah i think i'm probably a little lower than he's gonna go um because people get enamored by combine testing yeah um, and that's really why he's jumped up um and his tape is much more up and down than a guy like Linderbaum. He's kind of like the discount Linderbaum. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, he, there's a lot of similarities. They're, they're both uh, very explosive, um, very explosive and uh, they're very nasty as well. They're like tone setting kind of guys. So when you, need, yeah. yeah. When you pair an ath- highly athletic guy who has a lot of twitch and explosiveness with kind of that nasty tone setting mentality, that's kind of like an offensive line coach's dream. Um, and Cam Jurgens is longer than Tyler Linderbaum. So like his, his arm length is, um, I want to say over two inches longer, which is significant. So maybe a little bit more work to work with there than Linderbaum. So he'll probably go in the second, but he's the bottom of the guys I just mentioned in terms of film grade. Um, and then Cole Strange would be the next guy. Uh, yeah, he met me. with the Dolphins at the at the um, combine. I remember speaking to him. Yeah. He, he was in his yeah. own running scheme as well. Yep. Kind of similar to Jurgens in a lot of ways, very athletic, um, you know, played guard though. And he played tackle in college, uh, granted much lower level than, you know, Jurgens played in Nebraska coming from UT Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, but man, he has some impressive tape. His game against Kentucky playing left guard was impressive. Senior bowl, very impressive at center. I see him as a center. Um, so he's a guy I have with a late third round grade. I mean, that's, he'll probably go early third, I would guess, you know, late second, maybe, but he's a guy who could be within that range, potential trade up potentially for some of these guys as well. You probably wouldn't have to give up a whole lot to move higher in the third, but yeah, I mean, Cole strange is a guy with a lot of upside as well. I just think he has more to more, um, kind of room to grow and turn and stuff like that in terms of his technique, um, compared to a guy like Luke Fortner. Fortner is a guy with like a little bit higher floor, I think, but not as much upside as a guy like Cam Jurgens or Cole Strange. So again, it kind of goes back to that discussion. What do you want? You know, do you want a guy who could come in and be a solid starter and nothing more? Or do you want a guy who could be maybe a below average starter right away, but has potential to be very good? Into, yeah. So it's just like, you know, it depends on what you want there. And 
So those are some guys in the third round. And then there's more. I mean, like Donovan West. That I was another guy. He's, he's he's a really young guy. So if you're looking Youngest for the upside, like almost yeah, yeah, he's super young. He's getting he's still 20, I think, but or maybe just turned 21. But yeah, he's a strictly a zone center. Um, so not a lot of positional versatility, whereas these other guys, I think, have some of that in their background. You know, West West played a little guard at Arizona State as well, but he's strictly a center in terms just because of his size. He's he's pretty undersized. Yeah. Um, but I really like him. I mean, I think he's skilled and uh I think he's kind of a sleeper in this draft. So in the fourth round, I would love to get a guy like Donovan West, because again, there's that runway because of how young he is. I mean, three years from now, he's gonna be the same age as uh, you know, Luke Fortner is right now. Yeah. So you know what I mean? It's like that. That's kind of enticing because there's a there's there's a lot to work with there. Um, Zach Tom is another one yeah, from Wake Forest. Forest. Yep. yep, tested like an absolute freak in terms of um, combine testing. You know, uh, so he checks the boxes in terms of athletic ability. You can see it on tape as well. The thing with him is he's coming from a kind of like a Mickey Mouse offense at Wake <laughs> Forest. I mean, it's RPO heavy pretty much the same run concept almost every time he's not being asked to do a lot and he's not being challenged a lot. However, there's a tape against FSU when he's going against Jermaine Johnson. He has some good reps, um, not really taking many true pass sets or anything like that, but he has some fluid movement. He's pretty technically, pretty technically sound in pass protection. He actually has some, some pretty good uh, technique with his hands. He has a flash and a, a bait technique, I call it, which is kind of a high level pro thing that a lot of tackles do. So there's some nuance to his game there. It's just, you didn't get to see him do a lot. So there's a lot of projection there where you have to kind of see what he's, yeah, there's, there's a lot to work with too, though. So don't get me wrong. I I do like him. I have a fourth round grade on him. Um, And he played center in 2019 and played left tackle the last two years. I project him at center. So yeah, I mean, he has the center experience as well with the left tackle experience, so that helps. Um, yeah, so that's another guy, man. I mean, there's – and there's more too, man. But, I mean, th- those are the guys I would say in that round three, four range that I like a lot. No, that's uh, that's got to be music to a Dolphins fan's ears from the potential sure. draft prospects to the offensive additions uh, on, on the line to the coaching staff. Um, I'm, I'm sure Dolphins fans are going to be really excited to hear that. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, and sure. thank you for for everything that you've been able to, to add. You know, I think that, again, uh, rightfully so, there's a lot of uh, excitement for the additions the Dolphins have made, not only with Tyree Kill and some of the uh, skill players, but on the offensive line, getting that real core of the of the group um, together. So it's going to be interesting to see how they all put that together in the next couple months. Um, and I want to thank you again. Um, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. As I said at the top of the podcast, um, definitely check out uh, the Trench Warfare newsletter. Um, Brandon has some really great um, film room sessions with some of the um, top prospects and some other prospects that um, that we've uh, talked about. So definitely check that out. Anything else you want to you want to plug, Brandon? Uh, no, that that's it, man. I really appreciate it. This was this was awesome, and I, I appreciate the opportunity. And hopefully, people enjoy it. No, likewise, I'm sure they will. Um, so again. We'll be here next week to recap all things Dolphins. But until then, you guys take care. Bye.